This device isn't a spaceship. It's a time machine. Goes backwards, forwards. Takes us to a place where we ache to go again. It's not called the wheel. It's called the carousel. Hello and welcome to the Carousel Podcast. Uh, I'm here with Dudley Newright. Hey there. Hello, Dudley. Hi. Uh, you may me. see from the viewers at home that I have a new camera. That is emanating from my new computer. So I you can see my freckles. Before you guys probably haven't been able to see my freckles, whereas now you can. So congrats, viewers. I hear people are getting their freckles tattooed now because they're so trendy. So in. I actually don't even really normally have freckles. I just I this camera's like this camera's weird, man. I don't even know what it's about. It must have uh, be soul bra maxing. Yeah, right. Um so okay well everybody should know who you are from your substack which is called the new right post uh that's p-o-a-s-t and you are a chronicler of our scene um and an extremely hilarious and um funny writer in your own right by the way Thank you. He, 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 master of puns, lots of really funny titles. I I definitely laugh out loud at least once every time I read the new right post, which I do because I'm in it. <laughs> so of course, well, that's great it. to hear. You're you're in it a lot because you do a good job of curating your your uh, podcast guests and yeah. and your writing is is wonderful as well. Yeah, so thank happy you. to be thank here. You. Uh, yeah. So you recently, the reason why you're here now, before this gets too stale is because, um, you curated very long lists, way, way too long in my opinion, but extremely <laughs> long lists of like the best of our space this year. So what these are all on your Substack again, the new right post one is the 45 most powerful memes of 2023. Uh, the other one is 38 based reads of 2023 and then the 108 funniest tweets of 2023. And for some reason, you didn't capitalize most powerful memes, but you did capitalize the other two. I don't know why. Oversight, most likely. Oversight. Um, um, but yeah, I can talk a little bit about like the the inspiration for doing these. Um, yeah, sure. You know, I, uh, <clears throat> well, I'll just back it up and talk about my inspiration for doing the post in general, which is that, there's just so much interesting content coming out of this scene. Um, and I'd been lurking for a number of years following a lot of these people who are kind of the, the people that you see in the post and laughing at their tweets and reading their articles and thinking, man, nobody's like archiving this in a way that, that kind of creates it a, like a brand. It's just sort of some of it's happening in podcast world. Some of it's happening over on Substack. Some of it's happening on Twitter. Like, what if someone brought that all together in a, in a digest form so that, you know, you don't have to necessarily spend hours a week tracking it all. You can just kind of get the cream of the crop 
So that's what I've been doing for the last year. And uh, this series of three year end posts is kind of a culmination of that effort. Um, so powerful memes was my attempt to try to like capture the zeitgeist of what's happening or what happened in 2023. Like these, these memes are uh, happenings, they're occurrences, they're ideas, they're symbols, they're images that, that are very powerful that say something about the new right um, and, and help to kind of identify it. The reads are very straightforward. They're just the most interesting long reads. You know, I, I'm a, a pretty voracious uh, co consumer of media in general. And before I was doing this, I would follow like sites, like there's like a, actually a site called long reads and a site called long form that, that actually do these kinds of lists where they'll get the best long for journalism from places like New Yorker, Scientific, like all the magazines, all the big magazines, so that you don't have to be a subscriber to every single one. You can just kind of read the best articles in one place. So that's what I was trying to do here. And then with tweets, I think the new right shines brightest when it's being funny, um, when it's just kind of laughing at the, the darkness that we see around us. And um, also just that it's I think we've reached a tipping point where like these guys are funnier than the mainstream at this point. You know, it's, it's not like when you grew up evangelical and you have to listen to Christian rock or, and it's just like a crappier version of like what you'd hear on the radio. Like this stuff is actually better. You know, when, when I read these tweets and then I go back and like watch an episode of SNL, you just like, it's just like, ugh, you have a bad taste in your mouth and you want to go back to, to Twitter and, and get to the, good stuff. So that, those are the three roundups that, that define the, the year for the new right post. So well, before we get into this one, let me just ask, why did you want, I, I mean, of course I agree with everything you're saying, but why did you not yourself want to just become a, you know, new right writer? What, what was, why did you feel like you wanted to become a chronicler first? That's a good question. I think part of it is that I, I'm just kind of like a junkie for this stuff, like a, a media junkie. So I was already spending a lot of time consuming all this content. I also saw it as just like a way in. So it's, you know, eventually I'd like to start releasing my own original writing. Um, we're actually going to be doing a post about Twitter spaces coming up. Uh, soon um, that I've commissioned a, a young writer in the space to do um, like about right wing Twitter spaces. So kind of meta commentary on the new right scene. Um, but yeah, in, in, my inspiration was this, um, there's a, a, a they, they left Substack because they think it's full of Nazis or whatever, but there's a, there's a Substack blog called uh, today in tabs that basically does what I do for the new right for like the kind of mainstream media. So they're every day, actually, not, he does it his every single day. He'll do a new, an email newsletter that kind of summarizes the day's news. And so everybody in media reads this newsletter. And it's kind of like, it's, you know, it's not hugely popular, but everybody who matters reads it. And that's kind of what I wanted to do with this. But yeah, I mean, 
it is a bit of a grind and <clears throat> it doesn't necessarily scratch that creative muscle. So yeah, I kind of see it as like a step one and step two will be, you know, the brand extensions of when I, when I start to get my own writing out there and screenplays and comedy sketches and all that stuff. Yeah. I, you know, it's like, I think people are resistant to this idea that social media is where the art of our time is, is happening. And yet it's so obvious that that is what has happened. Yeah. Well, you called this out in yeah. your, in your recent article talking about how TikTok is like where the best comedy is at right now, or at least sketch comedy, yeah. which is a thousand percent true. Yeah. Like basically what TikTok does is distill the essence yes. of that type of comedy into like a, kind of high octane version of what it was on TV so that yes. it's like everything is faster, like packed with more meaning and just, uh, you know, like you, like you just sit there like laughing like an idiot, you know, <laughs> yeah. for hours scrolling, scrolling through this stuff. And, and you're kind yeah. of numb in, in the same way as you are when you're like watching Seinfeld, you know, or or well, the way that idiots are when they're watching like Big Bang Theory, you know, it's like pe people who watch Big Bang Theory. It's funny because people were like really arguing with me about this. They were like, I can't believe you know, everything on TikTok is terrible. Uh, you know, it's all just for stupid idiots and like, it's just dumb. And like, you know, it's, it's like populist, it's like super populist, you know what I mean? Like people saying shit like that. And I'm like, anything you see on TikTok is better than big bang theory. you know, any amount of time yeah. you, you spend watching yeah. stuff on TikTok is better than <laughs> any amount of time watching big bang theory or like friends. Right. It's like, and those it's, things uh... are way worse. It's something that, that like you don't really see the new right having encroached into yet. Well, they're and, and, oh my god, they're so it's hilarious because like every week, all of our smartest guys, these like super high IQ guys, start sharing a thing from TikTok that they don't realize is a joke. Yeah, and and like it's very obvious to me because the article that that Dudley is referencing here is uh, something I just wrote in American Mind. It's called. Um, the anti-boomers. And I, the, the reason I wrote it the way I did is because they wanted to talk about why the, the Gen Z, you know, has all these bad eyes, ideas about Jews. You know, that's the real reason they wanted to, to write it. Right. Cause they wanted to understand like, why are they so pro Hamas? Uh, and so uh, the obvious thing to talk about there is TikTok because you know, the, the it, TikTok is being blamed for the spread of anti-Semitism. Right. So I simply because I was forced to for a job once like got really addicted to TikTok. And so I like learned how to use it. And like I learned how to like get big posts myself. Like I had posts that had like hundreds of thousands of views just because I figured out how to like game the system kind of. And um, you start to like speak the language of TikTok if you really get into it and you realize like this shit is fucking awesome. Like you realize that it's so funny. The people who are funny on there are so funny. And they're, they're like boiling down these characters into eight seconds. It like eight seconds. Yeah. And, and in that eight seconds, they tell this whole story about this character that's like super relatable and it's just fucking stunning. It's just, you're just like, wow. Like, how did he convey the essence of this person in eight seconds? 
the, the, my favorite of them is this guy, Brian Jordan Alvarez. Have you seen him? Oh yeah. Yeah. So Brian Jordan Alvarez plays these characters. He's got like five characters that he plays and every post is like the next part of their story. Uh, some of them are so nuanced. You couldn't even start to, to, to understand it. But like one of them is a gay character who moves to LA <laughs> and he's like super provincial and he like starts dating a guy. Oh, the whole story is told with the character speaking into the screen. So that's the only thing you're hearing, but he starts like telling the story of dating this guy who slowly starts to like take advantage of him and like make him do things like carry drugs around the country. It's, it's just so fucking funny. Anyway. Yes. So, I mean, he's an interesting case study because he was on YouTube for a long time before he joined TikTok. And oh, was I don't he? ever, yeah. Like the, the one sketch that's probably the biggest one he ever did was about going to the beach and like, how psyched up you are to go to the beach but by the time you get there you've been through so much like hell <laughs> like traffic and like loading up the car with all the crap and drag dragging it down to the, you know oh yes. and uh <clears throat> it's like obviously very, very relatable but it's stretched out over like six minutes or something like that and it's like yeah he would he would have did the same thing on tick tick and like TikTok yeah. in like 20 30 seconds like 20 seconds right and and none of his videos on youtube really have a ton of viewership compared to what he's doing now so like yeah. he really found his his niche his medium yeah beach day um yeah no he really found his audience and just the way that he plays these characters is just and also just so people understand it's also like tiktok is inherently based the comedy because it's like it's all slightly so much of it is like slightly racist it's all like slightly but it's just uncontrollable like they can't stop you from like telling these jokes because it's just so fast and there's so much of it that like brian jordan alvarez he's like a white guy and a gay guy but his name is alvarez so he gets away with a lot but he's like super racist <laughs> like he's like yeah half of his characters are just like these idiot yeah. like yeah. esl guys yeah um, right. but no you're right i mean like in terms of it being based you know, like, I'm sure my wife and I aren't the only ones who send each other like 10, like relatable couples or like parenting TikToks that highlight yes. these kinds of like, yeah, true, like, like painfully true, but not necessarily politi politically correct things about like being, you know, a, a spe like a husband or a wife or a, a mom or a dad. And it's just like every day there's more to see uh, never ends um yeah no right and it's it's really is it, it's really amazing it, and it like also you're getting better news than anywhere else you're getting stuff that's on the ground floor immediately i like one of the things that i figured out how to do was you know i just sort of realized that the way to do it is to go to some like event that everybody's talking about and so I don't know if you've read my piece called The End of Friends, but it was about me going to Urban Assembly. And then after Urban Assembly, yeah. I went to my friend. I was supposed to go to the Keys with my friend who has like a huge mansion down there in the Sugarloaf. And uh, the hurricane was coming. And so I called him and I was like, oh, I guess we're canceling our trip. And he was like, no, let's let's just go into the hurricane. And I was like, I was like, okay. So we went down there and we like experienced the hurricane on the beach in Sugar Love Key, like direct, almost a direct hit from a category five. It was insane. Going, it's really cool to go through it, but horrifying at the same time. Like the whole dock broke. It was really bad. But anyway, when I was down there, I was I was like exploring TikTok at that time. 
And I just shot a couple like kind of ridiculous videos in the hurricane <laughs> and they got like 200,000 views because everybody just inherently understands that like that's the news they should be watching at that time. And they're, they really yeah. are like craving on the ground imagery from whatever the disaster of that day is. And the algorithm really works really well to bring that stuff to the top. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, <clears throat> to, I mean, I, I guess I, I'll be honest and say I use Instagram for, for similar purposes for that kind of like hyper, hyper local news, but yeah, yeah. I was, I was going to say earlier that like, it'll be interesting to see what the right does with TikTok, And it, like, it's hard because it's, obviously you're showing your face and like a lot of the new right yep. anonymous for obvious reasons. Yeah. But like, it's really exciting to see these AI tools that enable people to, to create stuff like sketch comedy um, yeah. using like little avatars or, or just like distorted versions of themselves. Uh, so yeah, like I've, I've got high hopes. Yeah, no, it was. So anyway, the, the larger like upshot of what we're saying here is that it's like, the shit that's going on on Twitter is also, it's incredible. I mean, you're, we're, we really are witnessing art and the art of our time will ultimately be defined by mimesis and mimesis is the interconnectedness of it. So it's like, that's the differentiator. The differentiator is that everything completely relies on instantaneous references to everything else. Mm -hmm. So like we're building this like patchwork of art that's hyper connected to everything around it. So it's like impossible for movies to replicate it. It's impossible for, this is why it's so in this article that I just wrote also, it's so stupid for brands to try to, do meme like for the for try to like make a commercial out of a meme it's like it just it's completely missing the point you know it's like yeah. you're trying to show shoehorn one thing and the other well a lot of this stuff comes from 4chan and yeah. you know gosh going we're, we're looking at like 15 years ago at this point but like this emergent form of like collective storytelling that's based on like referential comedy and commentary where you would have like one meme that's based on another meme that's in this kind of like infinite recursion. Um, yes. That all comes from 4chan. And yes. 15 years ago, like they, you know, these like, you know, basement dwelling nerd types were doing this to the point where someone was like, we need to start trying to make sense of this. Have you ever heard of Encyclopedia Dramatica? Yeah. What was that? <clears throat> that was like, that was an attempt to create like a wiki for 4chan lore. So all of the weird little micro celebrities and meme references and like events uh, started getting documented on Encyclopedia Dramatica. And in a, I, I think like the new right scene, at least as it, as it exists on Twitter is very much like that. It's kind of inscrutable to outsiders. Like if, if you're not someone who knows anything about this stuff and you pulled open the new right post, you might be a little bit lost because it's yeah. it's very you're referential. Have no idea. And, you're gonna have no idea. Coded. So Not like a little lost. You're gonna be completely lost. What I tell people. Thing, yeah. Sorry. But what I tell people is like, if you're the sort of person who is into Joe Rogan or Jordan Peterson, and you're looking for that like next level of baseness, like this 
could be your intro point. Like new right post could be a way to sort of slowly understand what's going on, but it like it's certainly not right out of the gate. Like it's going to take a little while, and you actually have to follow some of these people on Twitter to kind of understand the like like I said the emergent nature of like this form of language and comedy and culture. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it can serve as an intro, but I also don't think that that's its strength. I don't think the strength is this is like intro level basedness, right? Because that's true. It's it's made for yeah, people. It's made in for people the, in, the, in scene, the scene, basically. Yeah. yeah, and I think that that's why people like it because it's like, it's like the record. It's like the paper of record, you know, for for yeah. us. And I think that that's that's great. And it's also, again, it's also very funny in its own right. And you have just such a sardonic humor and you also have a very good way of like mushing language together, you know? And it's, so it, it is always, uh, it's always a pleasure. So let's, let's talk about the year in review. Um, okay. So, you know, 38 long reads, 108 funniest tweets. That is very impressive that you were able to get all those together. And then 45 most powerful memes. Um, Let's start with the base reads. So these are the long reads. Okay. I'm I'm in here, but I'm not in the top five. <laughs> Real quick, just so people know, like when you open the new right post, it's a Substack, it's a newsletter. You start with the week's best tweets, or I'm sorry, the week's best threads, which those live on Twitter, but a thread is not just one tweet. It's like five or six tweets, or now that we have no character limit, one huge, you know, long epic tweet. And so what, what a thread, what, what's interesting about a thread is that they are, are usually like a, a little mini essay or, or some kind of like shot across the bow. Sometimes it's someone like starting shit with somebody else. Um, that's like a lot of the drama that we see that happens in the threads. Now, the long reads, those are just like magazine articles that you would read. We yeah, also these have a are section. The, right. These are the long reads of our thing. So what is uh, the definition? So are there no threads included here? We I didn't memes. do a thread roundup because yeah, I see okay. threads as kind of more like ephemeral. Yeah. And long, long reads are more like designed to just sort of be a stake in the ground. They're kind of, they stand the test of time. Yeah. Um, I'm going to share my screen here, actually. Um, let me not we also have best av so like podcasts videos yeah so this is in just to clarify to everybody this is in his normal bi-weekly report he's got best audiovisual he's got best threads and best tweets but for the year end he has three different categories which which we'll yeah. talk about uh here in a second but i will yeah so i can do you want me to talk about the top five long reads while you pull that up yeah but let me just let me just do my thing here for one sec so okay. so uh in the long reads his number one long read is he completely called that uh, the number one long read of the year in our sphere. So if you go like go down this whole thing, you get to the top five at the bottom, the very bottom here. So top five most base reads. What is the Longhouse? Obviously belongs in here. Completely earth shattering uh, article by Lomez. We all know that belongs here. Then you have a few others that I've actually not even heard of before. But then the last one you have is something I have heard of before, which is Complex Systems Won't Survive the Competence Crisis by Harold Robbins Robertson. Uh, 
And this was tweeted, retweeted yesterday by Elon Musk. And did yeah. you see did you see my tweet on it that was no, I, yeah, I can't it, remember if I did or not. Was so it? I imitated uh I imitated growing Daniel and I was like, I am not uh jealous or in mourning that, <laughs> yeah, <did> that. <laughs> Elon Musk <laughs> retweeted Palladium magazine because this to me is just like the biggest jealousy, like Shaden opposite. You know, I'm just oh, so yeah. like mad. What a, what a dream come true. Now. I know, like this so you could know, have been um, me. You know, like yeah. I, I, I kind of tried to write for Palladium <clears throat> once and it like didn't work out on either side. Or it really, I don't know, so, that's a different story would, I don't want to talk about. Would, would there, you call there's them always explicitly fine, but... right wing? What? Would you call them explicitly right wing? Well, so look, I don't want to like, I don't want to get in, I don't want to like reveal anything about them, but I wrote something and I I was just at a time in my life where I did not want to deal with being edited really by anybody. And I think that I really didn't want to deal with anybody telling me like what I could and couldn't say in terms of like appropriateness, you know? And so I kind of had a little bit of a, I, I burned them a little bit, which I still feel bad about, but whatever, it is what it is. But clearly they published this amazing piece and I'm very jealous that, that uh, this got retweeted by musk so how did you know that this was such an important piece well it's a lot of the content that i end up posting is stuff that i simply see chatter around on twitter so i'm on twitter all day i'm looking at what's being talked about and this was one that just had a lot of attention behind it and um it's not on substack which like a lot of the, the reads that I post are from Substack. Um, and, but like even those Substack guys that they'll, they'll post some of these other articles that are not on Substack. And so it just became clear that this was like a viral hit um, just because so many people were talking about it. And so then of course the whole term, the term competence crisis went on to become like something of a, a meme. Um, throughout 2023. And I think it's actually on the, the most powerful memes list. Competence crisis refers to this idea. This is an extremely simplified version of what he's talking about. But like, that you used to have extremely competent people running things. And <clears throat> over the course of the last half century, due to, you know, it really boils down to civil rights law. Um, and the rise of the HR like edifice, um, these extremely competent, often white guys who are sometimes not nice to work with because they might have autism or you know some other <clears throat> neuroatypicality. Um, these these guys have been disincentivized from holding positions that really matter, and in their place have been but other types of folks. And it, it happens so slowly and so subtly that to point this out makes you look like, like an abject, like paranoid bigot, right? Right. Well, there, so. But, but when you read this article and you like kind of, he, he lays it out, you can't help but think like, oh. He's right, yeah. You know, stuff is, I haven't stuff, read bad I stuff is gonna start happening, like infrastructural collapse, yeah. workplace accidents, you know, 
the, the most recent story about Boeing where they've got like screws rolling around in the belly of the plane. People are like, well, shouldn't that go somewhere? You know, stuff like that. Um, yeah. You, you can't like pinpoint it on necessarily DEI or like any other individual phenomena. It's just like all these things happening very slowly. And I think the theory is, is that the, the chickens are finally starting to come home to roost. Yeah, it's like this. This one is one where I, I, I'm kind of split in my opinion on on this. It's like in this. This is one of the one instances I'll say that like this actually is just straight up racism. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, like it's kind of. I mean, like, like it, it's. I think you could, like, you could make the case for like colorblind meritocracy and say just like i'm just saying like we have this notion it's about this is it's such a fucking tech internet nerd thing it's like such an internet right wing like yarvanite nerd thing to like assume that oh you know there's just this small group of like white guys that really just are the only ones that can like fly planes and you know what i i should clarify <laughs> i don't want to put words in this author's mouth it's been a year since i've actually read this so like yeah. some of those conclusions were actually brought by like commentators talking about this article yeah okay. um the thrust of it is i think more just about the competence crisis in general and how we're going to see more of these accidents less about applying like <clears throat> a reason for Right. It. I. I just like. I'm sort of on the fence about this thing. You know. It's like I. I don't really. I don't think it's the. The reason why I'm on the fence about this is because it's like. I don't think that the reason the things are going to crumble is because the people can't do it. I think that. It, I, I think that the reason things are going to crumble is because, the institutions are designed to destroy themselves. Like, I don't think it's like, oh, black guys can't fly planes. Like, I don't really buy that. Like, I'm sure black people can fly planes. It's more. I think the author would, would probably agree with you. I think yeah. it's, it's as much about institutional. Right. Um, like rot. Like, it's like institutional like frig rot. fragility. Yeah. That yeah. We now have as a result of like how management has evolved. Yeah. And how bureaucracy has evolved. I just feel like it's like the, these people are like it's a bunch of internet dorks giving too much credit to the fact that like most jobs are either fake or really fucking easy. <laughs> you know, it's like yeah. most of these jobs are not hard at all. It's just like you like click a lever, you know, and then the reason why the guy is not clicking a lever is not because like he's, you know, Indian or he's an Indian woman. It's because the, the just they can't abide the amount of the lack of accountability of the longhouse really and the lack of accountability of a communistic organization that's completely fixated on identity you know what i mean mm -hmm. uh anyway they, no no but it's it's a great article and obviously your instincts are amazing that you you pulled this out and then this was the thing that that musk uh, tweeted so i mean tell me okay what are these other ones that are up here what progress wants the abbey of misrule then so that one's uh yeah, what the, Paul Kingsnorth was a kind of environmentalist activist who has recently taken a, a rightward turn. Yeah. Um, I think he converted to Orthodox Christianity. And uh, that article is like part of a huge series that he's been, been doing. And I think he's going to probably turn it into a book. 
he's someone that actually had a lot of institutional, like mainstream institutional cred. Um, but he, so how did you decide that these five were the best though? I mean, like how you must be just digesting such a massive amount of content. And as also with the tweets, like how did you choose a hundred tweets? I mean, like I used to, I used to write the LA weekly best of every year. I would write like half of it because I, I was yeah. really, I was really good at it, but it was always just shit. I was doing, it was like not the best of LA. It was like what Isaac is doing today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know well, I, mean? I did outsource some of I, like I had five of these sub stackers that um, a number of whom you've had on your show uh, who are kind of like super active on Substack, And I, I had a list, a short list. Oh, of, nice. I don't know, probably, probably 10 or 15. And I said, here's my top five. Like, what do you, what do you guys think? And with, you know, actually they, they all kind of agreed with, with what my guesses were, but they also recommended some extra, extras for the the bigger list um uh and okay so you had a little bit of like you had some help yeah yeah and i think next year i'd like to try to get some more help and maybe even open it up to like a poll or something oh another another hack is to so like 90 percent of these are substack articles and one of the features substack has is you, you can go to somebody's page and sort all their stuff by how many likes it's gotten Oh, nice. and so you can oh, easily wow. see like what, what the biggest hit that person did that, that person so had. Was. I follow like 150 of these people on Substack, so I just went and like looked and saw what the, what the biggest hits were, oh. and uh, that you know that that gets you pretty far. Great, man, you're doing God's work. It's really really hard to do that shit, but it's the, the fact that you have an instinct for it is amazing. Okay, let's just talk about one more, and then we'll move to some of the other one, the other stuff. So. I've seen Billionaire Psycho around. He's like, uh, he interacts with me a lot. What is this article? I, I haven't heard of this at all. Pygmalion and the Anime Girl, one of the top, one of the top of the year. So why did you like this one? There it is. <laughs> you know, honestly, like I read this back in July. Um, one of the reasons is that you can just see the engagement. It's like one of the bigger posts. Like that's as far as like new right substackers go, that's that's about as like big as it gets. Yeah. Um, also, um, this is, I, I remember this being, this one being just like super, super long. Uh, not that that makes it good, but, um, I think it was about, hold up, put me on the spot here. I should have been prepared. Um, this was also one that just got majorly talked about. And, uh, obviously the, I think you lingered on the, image there of that like massively breasted woman that one was like something that <laughs> was like on the feed all over the feed for like a week or two <laughs> um yeah remind do you remember what the story of pygmalion is isn't that the one that got adapted into the like eliza doolittle uh i actually do not i actually do. um it, it's like uh story of it's really long the guy that on on tries on. to turn the woman into like a high society lady she's like a plebe and he teaches her how to it's got audrey hepburn in it yeah yeah uh-huh anyway yeah, so I don't really remember <clears throat> what pygmalion is to be honest but well i think it, it's like greek mythology originally but yeah is it or is it a 
No, it's a, it's, yes, it's a Greek mythology, but then it was a play by George Bernard Shaw, which then got adapted into that movie I was talking about with Audrey Hepburn. But this is a, this is one of those ones about like, um, oh, dating and like gender relations, like current year gender relations and dating. And, uh, <clears throat> Yeah, that's about as much as I could say about it. Like, I, like <laughs> I said, it's been about six months since I've read it. Yeah, since you've actually read it. But I guess this was just kept coming up as like a as like a must read, huh? Yeah. Yeah, I got to read this. I got to read all these things. Very cool. Um, okay. Um, well, yeah, the one that I got in here was it knows we're here to kill it. So thank you. I, that was good to be in here, bringing our way out by all the usual suspects here. Sure. I mean the. The one that is the the one that was probably had the biggest mainstream exposure is the Longhouse article. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, which that was like a tidal wave. I mean, uh, written by Lomez. I know he's guested on your podcast before, and that one um, basically coined a new. That was the number one meme of the year, also in our meme list, um, because it crystallized something that a lot of people have been feeling about the corporate world, about, you know, church, about school, about yeah. home life, and uh, put put to words, not not his original idea, that was Bronze's pervert, but Lomez was the one who really um, turned it into something that, that uh, became a useful rhetorical device. Yeah, so, so talk right. a little more. Yeah, here we go. So the number number one, so the Longhouse is in two places. It's also at the top of your meme list. It's the number one meme of the year, period, is the Longhouse. So, yeah, explain a little, talk a little bit more about why this is so effective. What does it mean? What does the Longhouse mean and why is it so effective? So originally, I think Bronze Age Pervert in his book uh, wrote about the Longhouse as like, the matriarchal society where a quote unquote den mother kind of rules the roost. You know, the men go out and provide, but really it's the, the women who kind of run things and uh, they run like the social life of the, the village and the spiritual life of the village. And um, what Lomez did was he took that concept and kind of applied it to like uh our institutions and said that, you know, this is like, if you want to know why things are so are such agony today, like your job, um, you know, this is the phenomena that's happened is that we have this like ultra feminized world that we, we now live in and we've re refashioned all of our institutions to serve the needs of women and to allow women to oversee. Um, which I think um, <clears throat> has, has its benefits, but uh, is obviously has its costs as well. Yeah, and it's, you know, it's so funny that it came from BAP, and then after Longhouse became a big thing, BAP kind of tried to counter-signal <laughs> Longhouse. Do you remember that? No, did he did he like yeah. disown it or, or yeah, say like this he, isn't what I this is not, not what yeah, I meant? He he kind of had some grumblings of like, oh, this isn't what I meant. 
And then he, I think he just was like, uh, yeah, I, I got the impression he like wanted to make a thing out of it, but then was like, okay, never mind. I'm just going to let them enjoy it. Um, <laughs> it probably it, realized that it, yeah. it taken on such a life of its own. Right. It's it completely took on a life. Of its own. Like, I think that probably it doesn't, I, I think that it was completely, I doubt that Bat meant it exactly like this. Right. Um, also like I recently read Eaters of the Dead again by Michael Crichton. And that actually has long Viking longhouses in it, which I was like, wow, what a coincidence. Um, and actually, the way that he describes Viking longhouses is the total opposite. Of, of right. This, right. Right. So it's like, who knows if this is even accurate. But there is really something to it, man. It's something about the picture of it. And it's something about, you know, I, I think what we're... Uh, uh, you know, oh, you know, one one essay that I actually wish that you had included, but that I think actually maybe is not this year. But um, Myth Pilot wrote an incredible essay. I think maybe it's two years ago about like symbology of Medusa. Did you yeah, ever yeah. read that? I know the one you're referring to. Yeah, and that goes into a little bit about how basically like primitive sedentary societies were female dominated kind of and like what we think of as civilization were like grew up on the islands and was going in and like raiding these sedentary like feminized societies kind of and the symbol of medusa is like the the ultimate female symbol like the snake symbol thing that now we're seeing in new york everywhere it's like it almost like stands for feminism kind of it's like these snakes and like vagina boobs snake like harpy <laughs> thing you know like uh yeah. and it, like yeah multiple boobs kind of vibe and like that in some sort of cosmic metaphysical sense stands for like primitive female dominated societies and if you look at africa right they say africa you know the very these very primitive societies are like the only female dominated societies on earth so there is this i think like yeah genetic memory that we have of like we came out of the you know the swamp and when we were in the swamp it was like the women were in control well it's <laughs> right. also childhood i mean like if, yeah if you're a human you were born and raised by a woman most likely and <clears throat> and that's a good thing like the, the the nurturing character of of the mother is like that's what it's made for but i think Lomez's article, the thrust of it is that when you apply that to everything else in society, you get outcomes that are not nice for, for everybody. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, my audio is... But it's, it's totally, I mean, that concept is like totally toxic. You like, you know, we can, the new, the new right can talk about Longhouse all the time, but the idea that like, Corporate culture, for example, has been feminized, which I know you've written about this a lot. Like, that's something that would be to totally an, a non-starter in any kind of corporate environment. It makes you wonder what it would take for that to change. Wait, what would be? What do you mean a non-starter? <clears throat> what do you mean? By the that? the idea that like I could go into my office and say that and say like imply that like some new rule was a result of like the feminization of the workplace or something. Yeah. I mean, there's really nothing more radioactive than that. 
It, which is so strange, right? It's so strange. It's like, you know, on the one hand, you really can, like, understand, like, look, every society has certain things that you're not allowed to talk about. And that's always going to be the case, right? It's like, mm -hmm. there are some times that I want to talk about circumcision, right? And... I'm just like, it's just completely like y'all ain't ready for that. <laughs> you know, like, like, I mean, like within the Jewish community or like, well, outside? certainly within the Jewish community, but just at, at, at large, right? Mm -hmm. That's just an issue that is so totally nonsensical, yet so totally ingrained that it's like people just cannot handle talking about it. You know what I mean? Like, they, they, they literally, it's like, it just you start talking about it and people their brain just like turns off because they're just like I can't I can't possibly digest uh, the immensity uh, you know the immenseness the immensity or just my my brain can't handle the cognitive dissonance yeah like my brain the, cannot handle the cognitive dissonance the various like, like cultural right, pressures like, like, that have been placed because it's upon so me. totally against everything we believe in. Right, and it's like <clears throat> it just is completely crazy. So I don't even try because it's just like all right. People aren't going to hear this, so there's no point. Uh, but but the thing is, I don't actually think that the women in the workplace question, it's not, it is something that people should be willing to talk about, you know, because it's such a massive shift. It, it, like, it's, I, most women are okay. I have never met a woman that if you sit them down and just, no matter how liberal, and say like, hey, like working in an environment with all women, with with all men, virtually every woman will completely acknowledge that there's a difference in those things, you know? And so it's like, I, I really don't understand why this is such a taboo to talk about. You know, it's very strange. Like, why can't we just say, hey, uh, you know, female dominated workplaces are really different than men, male. Yeah, well, I think part of it is, is that we're just reaching the point where we have a chance at like gender parity at the highest echelon. Yeah. We're not quite there yet, but like it's coming. And, uh, you know, we'll have to see how that goes before we can cast aspersions publicly. Right. Yeah. I see what you're saying. You mean, you mean it's, they're going to make us get there and then they'll evaluate it. I don't think that's going to happen, man. I mean, like, it's kind of like the competence collapse thing where it's like, <clears throat> how many planes have to fall out of the sky before you can actually talk about something like that, <laughs> right. you know? And again, I'm not talking about the reductive, like such and such a person can't fly a plane because they're too dumb. I just mean that there's like some sort of systemic issue. Well, I think that a, a trait of the longhouse is, and I know this from working in the longhouse is there isn't that type of accountability. You know, like um, people really rarely get fired. You know, people almost never get fired in the regime, no matter how badly they fuck up. They they really very rarely get fired. And they, mean, they don't apologize. What? Management? Yeah, they, they don't get fired. They don't apologize. They don't ever, you know, they don't like even the Claudine Gay thing, right? Like she didn't it's pretty like gross that like, okay, say what you will about the old white man establishment, right? If somebody was shamed and really fucked up, 
they didn't like try to fucking wiggle out of it. Like they try, you know, they they took responsibility for the error. Whereas one really trademark thing about the Longhouse and about like the, the competency crisis, yeah, uh, organizations is that they do not admit fault. They they're really really oh, incapable of admitting fault. I, and you see I, that with COVID, right? COVID's the biggest example. I agree. Well, at any other time in society, some somebody would have gotten <clears throat> fired. Someone. The reason is because that admits the failure. Yeah. And so, if you, at the highest level, like even if you are forcing someone's resignation, and that person says, you know, we're still facing exism, you know, racism, whatever the case may be, some other outside, like other you know, nebulous force wreckers, as they would have said in the Soviet Union, like um, we're still facing, you know, challenges from wreckers, but we will prevail in the end. What were the wreckers? Wait, what's that reference? In the Soviet Union, like Lenin and Stalin would, in the literature, they would talk about wreckers, W-R-E-C-K, like people who would wreck things oh like, yeah yeah they had a it name was this, for, yeah yeah this nebulous force out there that works against communism it's not because communism is a failed ideology that uh, like doesn't allow like people to uh you know work together to make enough stuff to feed everyone it's, you know these famines it's because of the it's those damn wreckers they're out there they're you know they're subverting uh you know our communities they're you know, and it's really just a way to excuse the leadership from having any sort of accountability or responsibility. Yeah, the very much in, uh, have you read Animal Farm? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's the, the premise of Animal Farm is that, you know, every they, once you can start blaming this vague outside force, then, you know, everything inside is excusable because, right, it's the wreckers. There was also a name for them in, the cultural revolution it was like like capitalist uh capitalist boosters like the translation yeah. from chinese is really weird it's like <laughs> like a, a capitalist booster is the problem <laughs> of, of everything yeah um, but you see that with with these big corporations too it's like the same idea this principle that like you know bud light for example and, and no one is ever gonna say we effed up like we yeah. kind of stuck our foot in it um, we're going to do the, we're going to do a course correction. No, it's like, they're still going to pay lip service to this idea that like, we're still fighting, you know, homophobia and because they can't, yeah, they, they literally cannot say we fucked up because if they said we fucked up, that would be an acknowledgement that trans people are fucked up, right? Yeah. You know, and it's like, they cannot <laughs> well, say that. They it's literally like the same thing say. with, with Claudine Gay, it would imply that like yeah. the kind of DEI regime that like- Yeah, she can't say, oh, yeah. hey, you know what? I, you know, yeah, maybe I plagiarized a little bit. I'm, I'm sorry for those instances. No, she cannot say that. You know, she it, it has to be, oh, this is just a distraction and blah, blah, blah. You know, I mean, look, you want to give people- a way to save face for sure. I just think it's interesting that it's just like, in, it's an interesting trait of this existing regime and this longhouse regime. And it is very much, I've noticed that in, in female dominated environments, which I've worked in many times, there is an total allergicness to acceptance of responsibility for an error, right? 
and and they they don't like to do it to each other. You know what I'm saying? It's like it's not it's not yeah. just that an individual doesn't do it. It's, it's almost like yeah. they want to spread the accountability yes. around right. so it's much. All like of they our fault. distribute it collectively. Yeah. Right. Because, because to it's put it on one person force, is too right. it's too mean, I guess. Like yeah, it's too mean to go on one person. I, I got fired from 72 and Sunny, one of the many places I got fired from, uh, in large part because there was a boss of mine who kept fucking things up over and over again. And I just kept calling attention to it. <laughs> and, and she did this thing and it was, I was in yet another time in my life when I've worked with all women above me and one gay guy in my like unit. And, uh, she did this thing where she obviously like decided to hunt me to the ends of the earth. And she put a mirror next to her and I sat directly behind her. She put like a big mirror <laughs> directly wow. next to her so she could like monitor what I was doing clearly. Like literally a manager looking over your yeah, shoulder. Yeah. And I was like, man. And it didn't like occur to me. And I was like, why is that mirror there? And then I occurred to me, oh, she's watching what I'm doing. Um, oh dude, I just had a thing with somebody else who I'm not going to name any names or say anything, but it was the most longhouse situation ever where it was like, I was dealing with people and you know, you have meetings with people and then they don't say the thing they want to say to your face. And then immediately they go and say it to somebody else right after you were just like with them, you know? And it's like, this is very much the way that longhouses work because everybody's emotions are being saved at all times, right? It's like, you can't, it's much more appropriate in a longhouse environment to not say the thing directly to the person, but to say it to somebody who it doesn't affect and then allow it to like gently get to the person kind of, you know? And, yeah. Uh, you yeah. know, it's funny, like a lot of these sort of ways to deal with conflict or conflict resolution methods that we associate with women or mothers have their purpose. Like you're right. Yeah, totally. But like some, I can't remember who tweeted this recently, but it was, it was basically a, a video of a, um, a parent, like instead of disciplining their child with like a quick swat on the butt or something like that, the parent was tricking the child into thinking that they were throwing their Christmas presents into a, like a fire, like the, the, the family fireplace. They're like, if you don't quit disbehaving, I'm going to do another one. And they would throw one of their presents from Santa into the fireplace. And of course the, the kid's just like sobbing. And it's like, you know, 50 years ago, instead of doing that, the dad would have just like swatted the kid on the butt. And, you know, 30 seconds later, the kid would have been back to playing and fine. and would have learned his lesson. But instead, we have to impose this like regime of psychological terror <laughs> on our children, which is like, is that better? You know, like, is it better to, to say like, oh, we don't we don't hit our children. But instead, we do all this other like kind of creepy stuff, like yeah. pretending that we're going to burn their their presence. Their presence. You know? Right. Yeah. Like, no, I, that, I see that. But, but that's mind. how I mean, that might be an extreme example. I wouldn't say that's how like women. No, are, but it's like, so true about kids. This all really does go down to the kid level. And you see it in, you know, here in L.A., uh, there's this park that is in um, in a certain area. It's in like I can't even remember. The, oh, like near Mount Washington, which is this like very kind of posh area over on on my side of town. 
and there's this park over there and I like going to it because it's like so ultra lefty. It's like, you know, you're going to hear some like trans kids name being called, you know, yeah, and like, who's she's gonna be, what, what a juniper, a juniper. Yeah. Juniper Tallulah. You know, so it's like a boy. Can, I, can I just interject real quick that, uh, lo-fi Republican who's a user on Twitter basically pointed out that like one out of every three trans like Twitter users is their handle is like Juniper or something or other. And basically he just made this like wall of screenshots of all these Junipers with because trans flags in the, in the body. Well, I mean, they try to take on this kind of like somewhat feminine, but like cute, you know, like anime Juniper. kind of name. God, that's uh, like, anyway, what sorry. Go, go yeah, ahead. that's, that's amazing. Um, Wow. So, uh, yeah, Juniper, I'm going to, I'm going to use this, uh, anyway. So, but you go to this park and it's just like, uh, you know, the permissiveness and the pussiness of the dads is just so on display, you know what I mean? It's like, we're all following the dog, the, the kids around and, you know, it's like, Hey, uh, hey bud. Hey bud. Yeah. Hey, Hey. Oh. And like the, the dads, you, got some big, performatively, big you know, yeah. The dads like performatively, like, like engage with the children. And like, I'm like sitting there in the corner reading the newspaper and everybody kind of like gives me dirty looks. And I'm like, what? <laughs> you know, yeah. like, like, what am I, what you? I'm supposed to just like, you know, God forbid, I don't like stare at my daughter every fucking second. And it's like, uh, you know, like, like it, it really, I, I see this with my wife because my wife is, you know, very, not, she's not lefty, but she was raised very liberal like me. And raising a child is so manipulative and so like, you got to be such an asshole to that kid in order to get them to do what you want. Like you got to trick them. You got to like get mad at them for various things. You got to bribe them with things. And they're constantly making deals with you. Like in their mind, they're constantly seeing what they can get away with. And this permissiveness that kids have where every feeling that they have is correct really does start from like pussy ass parents. It's a hundred percent true. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mentioned swatting earlier. We actually don't spank our kids uh, or we haven't yet anyway, but like I see parents out there who, who won't say no. And yeah. to me, that's like the dividing line is like, if you're not, if those, if they're not hearing no, they're not going to be ready for the world to tell them no. And that's my wife happen. really has a very, very hard time saying no to our daughter. Like she really struggles with it. And I do think it's because she had this, like, you know, she's an ultra pedigreed art girl who like, you know, went to all the art schools her whole life. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, she just never had that disciplinarian like in your face. Neither did I, by the way, you know, I mean, my parents didn't discipline me at all. I did, did whatever the fuck I wanted. They spanked me one time and they, they washed my mouth out with soap. Uh, did you get any, did you have any like corporate yeah. punishment? You know, I was like such a schoolboy, but I, I got spanked as a kid and I, I got, well, the thing that I remember was the wooden spoon, like a crack on the head with a wooden spoon. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Yeah, that. that's good. Uh, you know, quick, quick and effective. Like, there's no, no rigmarole there. It's just like, see, I totally think we should do that now. And it, it, it hurts like hell, but then it's over in thirty seconds. Yeah, and it's, and it's not, like whatever. Like, it's... Me and my daughter actually kind of got in like a kicking. She like kicked me in the face last night, 
And, you know, instead of just saying no, I just kind of like grabbed her leg like really hard. And it was just it was weird because it was this moment I was like, did I just like abuse June? But afterwards, we were just kind of like, eh, whatever. You know, like she was like pissed for a second. I didn't like hit her, but I just like grabbed her, you know? And I'm like, is that abuse? But it seemed so much healthier than doing this elaborate, you know, like, yeah. well, look at like do that, you know, dogs like, or cats, like how, how, you know, they have that kind of playful thing. But when the, the puppy goes too far, the mommy dog, you know, lays down the law. Yeah, I really think we got to bring back that. We we should just be we should definitely be hitting our kids. See, I'm on record. <laughs> I'm on record saying it <laughs> in a nice way. In a nice way. Uh, anyway, okay. So let's get back to this. Um, let's talk about some of these other. We we got like 30 minutes left here. Let's talk about some of these other memes of the year. Okay. Uh, I'm most interested in this. So what constituted a meme? Because I actually one thing I really love about this list is I think that, and I noticed this right when I first saw it, was I think that you really captured very accurately what a meme is. Like somebody who dumber than you would have made this list and their memes would have been literal memes in the sense that they're yeah, a picture, yeah. right? I, ca I call those boomer memes. Yeah. Those um, are, yeah those like are the, Whereas your memes are like, God, I, I hate this word, yeah. but it's egregores and egregore. They're, they're like, they're like meant they it's the real accurate definition of meme which is this yeah. like mimetic <clears throat> mimetic so Rick, richard memes. richard dawkins wrote the selfish gene and and I, i'm pretty sure that's the book this comes from but like meme is basically like a conceptual equivalent of a gene so instead of passing information down vertically from parent to child you're passing information laterally or horizontally oh, from, from person to person meme is so like a meme is really just like Christianity is a meme, Judaism is a meme, democracy is a meme, communism is a meme. Any sort of like concept wow. that you would pass through mimesis is a meme. And uh, someone at some point started using that term to refer to what are called image macros, which are pictures with funny text on them that's, you know, came out of like, Fark, do you remember Fark.com? Yeah, Fark. That was like the Reddit of the, you know, late 90s and early 2000s. Anyway, um, you know, we language evolves, whatever. It's I'm, I'm not a prescriptivist, but like now we use the term meme to refer to like funny pictures and, and, uh, and terms on the internet. So my definition is kind of somewhere in between. It's like a lot of these are internet born they all are internet born actually, but they're, um, you know, sometimes they can be very abstract, like the concept of the longhouse or the concept of the boycott. But like the boycott was a very powerful meme in 2023, yeah. like pr probably the most successful boycott in history, or at least conservative boycott. Which? Think of. The, the Bud, Bud Light Bud? thing. Yeah, it yeah. wasn't a boycott though. That's the problem. So like that's I I argue against that one because that wasn't that wasn't a proper boycott it was just a it was a it wasn't like the the reason why Bud Light failed was because a bunch of activists stopped a boycott to me is so like, you're you're saying there needs to be like a formal yeah like a boycott to me feels like an organized activist yeah. like we are making the decision it was more just like a bunch of normal dudes were like yeah that thing's gay. <laughs> you know, like that was it. Yeah, that you know, that's 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 a fair argument. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's also a big funnel thing in marketing. It's like the funnel, the con act of conversion. 
I don't know. Anyway, sorry, keep going. Natalism is another one on the list that's pretty high. Natalism, this concept that we ought to be having more babies or we ought to be encouraging people to have babies. That was a big one for the year. There was a big natalism conference in Texas. Um, a lot of our, I think you've, you've had uh, extra dead on your podcast before. Um, uh, who? Bennett. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've had him on. Um, I use the term interesting is a, is a top meme, which refers to Elon Musk, uh, like replying to some random right wingers comment by saying, huh, interesting. interesting. Or, or, or some variation thereof. Is this true? Uh, yeah. that, you know, basically yeah. allowing him to yeah, right, draw yeah. attention to these ideas that otherwise would, would live in kind of like... The, That's the true. He, did do, he does do a great job with that. That's without great. actually having to say like, oh, I agree with this or I'm endorsing this. Big conservative um, brands. Oh, yeah. Daniel Penny, Perp Walk. That's definitely... See, but here now we are getting into like the difference between... Because is Daniel Penny, Perp Walk, that is more of a boomer meme than a than a fake conservative brand right? <laughs> well no i mean i would say if, if that had like if there was a photoshop of like him walking on the body of like nancy pelosi or something like that, <laughs> that would be a boomer meme um no like what well, by that i basically mean that like there's this image that came out of that where he he basically just looks so badass like yeah he, he really he, did he looks like a hero we all kind of forgot an, about this. What whatever happened to Daniel Penny? I think we're just, you know, it's, it's what always happens. People rot in jail for like a year or two before anything comes of their trial. Wait, is he actually in jail? Or I, I don't. I, I think he's out. I don't know. I, I shouldn't say that. He, in, in jail or if you post bail. Um, yeah, so these are more like proper memes. You have Hicklib at, at number nine. Definitely a big meme of this year. Definitely deserves in the top 10 for sure. Hicklib. Can you explain Hicklib to us? And what, yeah, so, what are we looking at right here? What you're actually looking at is a, is a screen grab from the show Yellowstone, Kevin Costner's character. And But, but what it means is um, a lot of times what happens is Hollywood shows will set their you know, they'll have a setting in a place like Yellowstone, although Yellowstone's probably not that conservative compared to the rest of Wyoming, but they'll create these characters that are basically like hillbillies or hicks or rednecks, but they'll give them the voice of like, you know, an urban prog. They're, they're like the voice of reason for the show. And so I've never watched Yellowstone, so I can't really verify this, but like my understanding is that that's kind of what's happening with this character. And so people use this image to refer to like, um, you know, someone who takes on the like the visual trappings of the heartland, but then subversively injects with, uh, you know, progressive talk. This is why this is the art of our age. I this is it, it exactly because <laughs> there's so many there's so many nuances going on with this yeah. that it's virtually impossible to explain. It's like if I were to try to explain to my grandma, I'd be like, yeah, okay, so this, like there there's this TV no show and there's an actor on this TV show, but then there's this, also this like group of people online. Like you'd have to just do like a 20 minute. I like I I tried to explain to my wife the you know the blanks could be here thing of the gas station <laughs> yeah because I was just like dying laughing in the car one time and she was like what is so funny 
And so, I was like, I tried to explain it. And I really, I realized it was like, this is taking me like 20 minutes to explain yeah. the layers of like nuance of like what this means. I had the same experience literally this morning where my wife asked me, why do you spell consumer with two O's like consumer? <laughs> and I'm like, okay, so <laughs> somebody made this meme once about porn addicts yeah. about how and like i'm gonna come yeah. and, and, but the way they spelled it out made it look like coom with all these hoes <laughs> so then porn addicts became known as coomers and then there's this character called the coomer and then like every other like yeah. term that had an o in it became like the consumer yeah so yeah. That, that i was able to do that one in under a minute but still it's just like no, this but even then, so it's like it's so unsatisfactory, and it's like yeah. it's also like just the OOO thing. I knew that that's what that meant because I like speak the language, but I actually didn't know where it originated from. I mean, I knew it came yeah. from Coomer, but I didn't know that it was like a cartoon. Yeah, um, where does Coomer come from? Yeah, right. and so it's like Hicklib is was the funniest one of these for me this year. It was because it, everybody would just post a picture of Kevin Costner as the Hicklib, and it would be like. What was the funniest one was I think the funniest one was somebody being like, I can't remember, but it was like, I, I reckon if you don't have the, if she's too big, you, you're not enough of a man. Cause it's, or the really funny one was, did you see the thing that came out this year? That was, uh, what's his name? The guy who plays Hellboy who like, oh, yeah, like yeah. Tough guy. he's like a super lib. Yeah, and he's like a super living. He was in something where he was like, I'm a cowboy. But then he got offended by the he like made some racist take down that that flag, that uh the Confederate flag. And it was like that was well, he's kind of he does like the tough guy Guido thing, like the yeah. little Donnie. He's always like making fun of Donald Trump. So this one's probably my favorite of the year. Yeah, and they were bothering and you. Okay. It's a little bit more obscure, but for those who don't know, a, a woman was was uh, uh, interviewed by a Fox News reporter about uh, basically some like junkies that were shooting up. I believe it was next to a school or somewhere in this neighborhood. And there's like kids walking back and forth. And basically she does the typical lib thing of, oh, well, like, why do you care? Like, why do you care that these guys are, they're not hurting anybody. And at one point, He's like, they're right over, you know, they're shooting up right over there. And she goes, oh, and they were bothering you? Oh, boo-hoo. You know, boo, boo like, you know, oh, you must have been so scared. And it's she like... got the perfect face. For those listening oh, at home, she literally could not be cast better by... Yeah, she's, perfect. of course, she's like central casting, like, yeah. cool wine and cat lady. Um, she's She's got that smug liberal veneer. <laughs> of course, then, like... It's, it's a perfect example of when liberals do that thing where they flip to libertarian when it suits right. them. And yeah. suddenly it's like, oh, everyone can just do whatever they want as long as it's not hurting anybody. They'll just yeah. like flip on a dime and uh, without any sort of regard for like how there might be any kind of like external negative like repercussions, right. not just on the people like the, the, the drug addicts who are in hell. But the you know the school children and everyone else who has to around, deal with yeah, this. and they're bothering you how yeah right. yeah as if like those types of people aren't like way more likely to like 
violently attack you or have some sort of a schizophrenic episode or right. that, that hurt someone actual or trauma you know yeah. right right and it's funny that their desire to protect women actually is subsumed by their empathy yeah. for the like they care less about women actually than the homeless guy which is kind yeah. of interesting if, if imagine the you know the brain power devoted to doing those endless calculations of who's who's the dad in the situation and who's the well, victim it's not i mean it's really not hard it's I, it's like you could do it yourself the thing is like we have the intersectionality square within us we know it's we we feel it they we just also realize it's stupid but it definitely like exists you know like because it's I, the way that i say it is like you know in the state of nature you do understand hierarchy, right? Like you, you do understand hierarchy. Like the woke is more correct than the mainstream. Oh, where's that? That should be on here somewhere. Is that a meme of the year? It's not from this year. Oh, that's from another year. Okay, yeah, I think that's it's a couple years old. Yeah, no. Believe me, there were a few that I was like, I really tracked them down because I, I really felt like they were big this year. There's a couple on here that are from like December, November, 2022. Yeah, but uh. Yeah. <laughs> this was from this year, huh? We're going to beat the fucking globus. No, but wait. Um, yeah. No. Uh, what were we just talking about? The. Oh, yeah. Anyway, but the way that I like describe it is like, we know the hierarchy's there. It's it's just like, you know, uh, like we could feel it out, right? Like we could do the intersect. They just flip the hierarchy in their heads, right? You know, they say yeah. the person who deserves the least respect deserves the most respect, right? <laughs> like the, the little child, yeah. this is why they're all obsessed with children who are like leaders. You know, they love children who are like uh, great musicians they, because they want, the, they want to prove that the hierarchy is fake, right? So they want to believe that the 14 year old girl is a, a chess champion because they don't like the hierarchy that exists. They hate it. They hate the, they hate God. They hate the God, the, the actual hierarchy that's there. <laughs> yeah. We just accept it. You know, who who so, said that they hate God for the crime of creating them or something like that? Yeah, they fucking really do. Um, okay. Well, the, you should all look at all of these memes. These are, uh, these are all, these are all very, very good. Creed halftime show. That was a good one. The Creed halftime show. Moombra, great. Yeah, these are all really, really good. Yeah, it's so important that you're doing this, man, because it's like yeah, the, it, this is somebody has to provide some type of of uh, you know map of the territory, which which you're doing. Okay, before we go in the last uh, little bit of time here, let's look at um, let's look at your other your other one here so okay. we have memes we have tweets pages, and now we have tweets so 108 yeah, why 108 the, uh... the best memes <laughs> of the year uh let's go all the way down to the bottom and start with the top okay so we have um, a top we have a top 10 here again the top 20 and then there's oh, a, there's a, a number there's a number one that stands above the rest which i felt was like a cut above. Okay, so, the funniest tweet of 2023. Let's go right to it. 
I'll read it out loud. Just saw an ad for the army featuring a white guy. It's over, bro. We are going to war. So this got almost 40,000 likes. Jesus. And the reason why I felt so to me, a tweet like at its best, like it should be sh as short as possible and pack as much like meaning into as few words as possible. And this one does like because it's telling this story about how the military in the last couple of decades has basically completely given up on trying to attract its core uh, like loyal demographic, which is like young white dudes from, you know, the Midwest. Um, that has, you know, historically been the lion's share of who joins the, the army. And, uh, and, and more so um, just dudes in general, like now every other commercial is, is like a girl boss or some sort of, uh, you know, LGBTQ situation. And, uh, you know, <clears throat> there's all kinds of things that you can say about what that, like the, the, the negative outcomes of that strategy. And uh, like one of the obvious ones is <clears throat> simply like when the, the military doesn't reflect what the actual country looks like, is how incentivized are they gonna be to fight for that country? Um, but yeah, he's sort of saying all this stuff in just this tiny little, you know, sentence, and uh, which is why I think it's genius. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot going on in this for sure. I love. I've had Al Eric the Barbarian's been on, uh, been on the spot. He's yeah. He's very I, young. I think I wrote that you could like a person could write a book on the subject of that tweet. Yeah, definitely. He, this it's amazing. He's one of these like child <clears throat> geniuses. Every now and then we get one of these guys in our scene who is like shit posting on the level of anybody who's big, and then you find out they're like twenty. <laughs> and he's one yeah, of man. These guys. I I hear you. I like in a way, it's kind of encouraging. You see these these zoomers who are just like they do not give a fuck. They're like way edgier than I was yeah. when I was their age. They're just oh, like dude, I didn't know any. They're of so this. they're so far ahead. You know, they're they're reading their their Spangler and their their younger and all that. And uh, you know, it's just like it's going to be exciting to see what these guys do in, in another decade. Yeah. So this one's a physiognomy tweet. This was about um, uh, Richard Hanani. I was like, why do we have to say physiognomy? Why we can't we just say someone's like good looking? And <laughs> this guy just claps back and says like, okay, here's why. It's not just about attractiveness. Yeah, I saw Hanania the other night at uh, Filthy Armenians things. It was pretty good. It was, it was like, he was fine. Um, if it was the crucifixion, it wouldn't have gone down like it did. So this is a, re I don't know if you're familiar with this reference, but when 9-11 happened, Mark Wahlberg, there was a quote of him talking about Flight 93. And he said, if I had been on that plane, it wouldn't have gone down like that. Uh -huh. Or it wouldn't have gone down like it did. <laughs> so just like imagine the audacity of someone, you know, <laughs> your, your typical like, you know, douchebag, like hey, guy hey. in a bar who's like, oh, would have fought him off, man. That's basically the joke here. That's uh, Perry Abbasi. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just looking at these. Uh, what is the pig hog calling thing? So th there's actually a video here of a guy doing a, a pig call. Yeah. Just, he's like whooping it up for this pig. 
So it's it's basically a joke about like a future war that would happen in the U.S. And imagine if you were like some you know, Chinese soldier airdropped in, and it's the middle of the night, and you hear this like hog call. How it would fill you with terror? Does it sound really creepy? But of, but of course, it's like a guy with this like goofy corn hat on his head. <laughs> what is it? Uh, the my favorite tweet here. I'm gonna find it. My favorite tweet of the year by far was the delicious tacos one. Oh yeah, it's not uh, in the top twenty, I don't think. But I know the one you're talking about. The one about the rolled doll book. This one's great too. Hold on. So th this one is. Uh... This one's probably my fave. <laughs> yeah. This one's probably my fave in the I don't, year. I gotta follow this personally. guy. Evil, evil political scientist. I gotta follow him. But oh, uh, it's the bottom tweet is. Oh man. A teen so... accused of shooting a man in the head was found incompetent to stand trial, then let go. Now he's charged with shooting another man in the head, and <laughs> which is obviously funny enough on its own. Like it's such a cosmically like stupid story. Yeah. Like that should never. Like that headline, the fact that we live in a society where something like that happens is so insane. Yeah, it's so insane. And then uh, this guy retweets, and it's a picture of who is this character? I actually don't know. Is it, I, I know he's like the J Jonah Jameson from the Spider Man movies, but I don't think that's what's happening here yeah no i mean this actor is amazing but what who what is jk simmons is his yeah, name jk simmons is great but it's like we don't even know who this character is but it's some jk simmons character. like i don't know if that's a quote of his or or what but like it's still so no funny. i think he's just embodying the character these are some of my favorite tweets when they're embodying i think it's supposed to be yeah it's just like he's just like a ba a baffled guy trying to come up with a solution yeah, that's, and that's it's like, guess. well, no, 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 but it's like in the J.K. Simmons tone of voice, which is this like sardonic, kind of aggressive, sarcastic, like you're an idiot voice, right? Yeah, it's, it's like a, a yeah. busy executive who's trying to move on to the next thing. Yeah, yeah, and so he says, so we keep letting him shoot people in the head, and then until we, I don't know, solve mental retardation? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's how you perform that. Yeah, and uh, it's just so good. I I wish I could write these. This is like my my biggest regret in life is that I can't be funny like this. I try to, but it never works. I don't know. You've had you've had a few bangers. I mean, like yeah. these guys should they they should go to bed at night knowing that they are funnier than like SNL writers. Yeah, I know, and it's I, like the ones who can write these ones like that are embodying the characters are really the best ones. <laughs> uh, Gorlock, Time, timeless <laughs> like like yeah. you know you really have to appreciate ones like this because there's so many different directions you could go with that image you know so many so many like easy way easy this is we're looking at like, we got to tell people because mo the vast majority of people don't watch this okay uh, yeah. so, so there, this shows it's yeah, a podcast yeah. called whatever where they get a bunch of only fans girls to talk about sex Yes. And uh, this is a screenshot from the show where they had a trans woman who, oh, you, you know, it's, it's, it's like a, it's trans like a, woman. Woman. are you sure that's a trans woman? That's yeah, a, it is. Does it even it's, matter at that level? It's like, who yeah. even cares? I mean, you're not a man or a woman. At it, that it's like one of those things where it's like the, the visual juxtaposition is so stark it's, it says everything that needs to be said about. well no it's like a topic. monstrously obese woman with like three kind of like skinny girls on this whatever podcast are they are so are you are you your viewers not seeing what what we're seeing 
we're not, you know, we're not live, right? I mean, yeah, they're seeing it if they watch it on YouTube, but like, okay, like only like 10% of people watch. Oh, okay, it. I see. Less, All right. So less. I should provide a little bit of extra content. Yeah, yeah. Most people listen to it just on like Apple. <clears throat> yeah. So, so what we're looking at is this like monstrously large person of ambiguous gender uh, next to three skinny, like OnlyFans thoughts. And the three of them are, are looking at her kind of nervously. And the caption is, been enjoying this podcast. Great takes from Ashley, Rachel, Gorlock the Destroyer, and Tiffany. And like, I think this, this got 140,000 likes. So it went much bigger than the new right. But uh, yeah, kudos to Richard Ratboy for yeah yeah it's hilarious uh okay then let's do one last one which is the tacos one uh this one i the tacos one i laughed harder than than like anything ever in, on the internet we gotta find it yeah a couple people actually commented to say that one was their it, favorite. it's just every single time i read it all the way at the top so this i'll, I'll preface it it was uh this was happening during like there was some thing that was happening for for some little while about what got edited. They, was they were like, going to reprint the the role doll like oeuvre, the whole all of his books. They were going to reprint and they were going to they were going to update them to remove problematic, quote unquote, like references that might be construed as like anti woman or, or racist or. Right. So, so we, we're this is pure 1984. They're they're literally editing children's books to like better reflect wokeness right like that's yeah. literally happening that is so there were screenshots happening. like real yeah. screenshots going yeah. around of what was being changed which yeah. was kind of you know chilling but also just so like disgusting yeah know? so it would be like some line where it would be like you know uh yeah oh i well, here's a real line. Like this is the this is a real line that he starts with, where it's yeah. "Don't be foolish." My grandmother said, "You can't go around pulling the hair of every lady you meet, even if she is wearing gloves. Just try and see what happens." So I'm assuming that that line would get cut because it's like violence toward women or something. I mean, this is really just so stupid. So anyway, Delicious Tacos fakes the new version, the politically correct version, which is. Don't be foolish, my grandmother said. This is the publisher speaking. To the child reading this book, you must become a homosexual. <laughs> <laughs> like basically escalating it to the nth degree, which is what comedy is all about. Um, you know. <laughs> tacos is such a good. And you know, yeah, turning turning it into the most like concrete version of what, what's actually happening and capturing the spirit of what's actually happening. <laughs> and it's it's also making fun of us because it's like right because like we would we would act right. like it's yeah we like, would this act is like totally that's mocking the right wing. It's right. not mocking the left. It's saying like we're getting, you know, our panties up in a bunch so much that it's like they're not doing <laughs> they're not going to this level which <laughs> I think is a crucial point that I'm glad you brought up because if you actually look at a lot of these tweets and memes that I gathered, I, a lot of them are at the expense of us. They're making fun of our little scene and how uptight people can be and how like, 
you know, we can just at the drop of a hat turn some, you know, TikTok girl into the next, like, you know, burning effigy for our incel rage. Right. Like, yeah. And that I think that's like a really healthy thing about the scene is the fact that like probably more than half of the comedy that happens is like just us making fun of ourselves. Oh, uh, absolutely. No, I mean, and that's right. That's what's sort of like un, un and that's what you, and that's why anytime you, any leftist actually gets involved in anything we're doing. They never like, you know, like we've never really had anybody like in bed with us and then completely turn on us because as soon as they see stuff like this, they're like, oh, come on. Like, how am I going to be pissed about this? It's just hilarious. Yeah. And it's like not, you know, it's also very self-aware of like how shrill and annoying we are, you know, about things. But it's in stark contrast to what's come before. Like, I think this is like a defining element of the new right, because if you look at mainstream conservatism these are people who are congenitally unable to laugh at themselves right and it, it starts yeah, at the highest levels and goes all the way down to like you know your your daily wire type productions where you know they make a movie about how silly uh you know trans athletes are but like none of it is self-parody which i actually had a little tweet about this uh, a while back about how like a really funny conservative movie would be a movie all about how lame conservatives can be like make a CPAC movie, like a CPAC buddy comedy about a bunch of like bow tied autistic, like loser conservatives who have to, you know, <laughs> I don't know, do a, do a panty raid or something at CPAC. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. there's, there's gotta be more of that. Right. Um, and one that's what I mean, even like Anchorman, people kind of forget like Anchorman is that Anchorman is a lovable portrayal of but also a total mockery of like a conservative guy. Right. I mean, that's like, yeah. you know, a lot of those the characters from that era were like, yeah, making fun of conservative guys in kind of like a lovable way. I mean, isn't that what the Archie Bunker was? Isn't wasn't he like you know like a racist, but everybody loved him because it was yeah. You know, ridiculous. I mean, these are these are coming from the left though. Like Norman Lear was a, a total lib, and he was the guy yeah. who created Archie Bunker. And you know, like what's exciting is that I like when people like Alaric, like when that generation becomes old enough to start calling shots in like, let's say, making entertainment, or at least in some sort of parallel way, we're going to start to see some like genuinely funny stuff, you know, like Hallie Mutant, for example, like he's put cranking out funny, self-deprecating tweets about being like an incel or a cuck or whatever, um, all day long. And within the format of Twitter, they're like the finest in the genre. But like we still don't have our our like movie or TV show that, that could do something like that. Yeah. 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 The closest that probably comes to it is like some of Sam Hyde's stuff. Yeah. Um, totally, totally, totally. Um, all right. Well, dude, thank you so much for joining. We gotta we gotta wrap this up, but um yeah, so visit the new right post on Substack. Look at the funniest tweets, 108 funniest tweets of 23, the 38 uh, base reads of the year, and the 45, is it, top memes? Most powerful memes. 45 most powerful memes of the year, yeah. And also just obviously subscribe because you get so much content from, from uh, 
Dudley here. Great name. Dudley knew, right? Um, any, anything to plug anything you want to say before we get out of here? No, just, uh, subscribe. It's new, right? Post P O A S T that's on Twitter and Substack. And, uh, yeah, I'm going to, um, like I said, we're going to start releasing some original writing and, uh, possibly some, some short form podcasting in our future. Uh, but the bread and butter will remain our bi-weekly roundups of the funniest and most interesting content that is happening in the new right sphere. Yeah, dude. Must follow. Um, all right, dude. Well, thanks for coming by. Thank you. Much appreciated.